Welcome to the Wedding Breakroom Podcast, where your favorite Oklahoma wedding professionals hang out, tell stories, and share advice. If you are a wedding professional, this is a great place to learn from your peers. If you are a couple getting married, you'll get an inside look into what it takes to make your day so special. Hey guys, this is Travis, and I am at Gallardia, and most of you know who runs this place around here. It's Abby Berry. I'm with her right now. So Abby, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Doing really well in the midst of prepping for fall wedding season. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all are. It's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a kind of a slower season right now since it's so hot outside in, in August. But, I mean, we're all prepping for that September month coming up, September and October. So it's, uh, it'll be fun. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's the most beautiful time in Oklahoma to get married. It only yeah. stinks that we compete with college football. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep, we do, don't we? Yeah. Um, well, uh, how, first off, kind of walk me through how you got started at Gallardia, and, and from from what I understand, you're kind of in the wedding business even before this, helping your mother. She is a photographer. Absolutely. She was um, a very high-end Oklahoma City wedding photographer for 30-plus years. Oh. Uh, she did Governor Walter's daughter's wedding. She did a lot of very nice weddings, and I assisted her through, gosh, middle school, high school, even some of college. And so yeah. that's where I really got to start looking at the industry, I saw about every venue, worked with every vendor, uh, worked with a lot of folks that are still in the industry, but that um, have been around for a long time and seen vendors come and go. And so really learned things from a photographic standpoint. Um, My mom always used to say, the only thing that remains the day after the wedding, you know, the cake is in crumbs, the dress is in the corner and (laughs) the pictures. And so looking at things photographically and um, planning out the timeline of pictures, Then in school, I got into broadcast journalism, uh, which is a family trade. My dad and grandpa were all in radio and TV, and so I learned um, a real sense of urgency from that, and again, working with timelines. Um, And after that, uh, it was was right before the media industry kind of came to a halt. Mm. Um, So I started waiting tables, and I learned the hospitality side of things, and uh, started doing catering and doing parties. And in college, I was in a sorority, I did a lot of social events and planning with that. So uh, when Rose Creek Country Club had just built their clubhouse and I heard about the job there and started working there as their events coordinator and uh, venue salesperson and learned a lot there. I already knew the wedding side of things and that was their big focus was weddings. Um, moved from there to the Skirvin. I actually stopped by the Skirvin today and saw my old boss, Cheryl Jackson, director of events there and she's a wonderful woman. Uh, so I stayed there for about two and a half years before I got courted to this castle <laughs> at Gallardia. Yeah. Uh, and now I've been here about five and a half years. Okay. So. I didn't know you, you worked at the Skirvin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I loved being downtown. Yeah. Um, I missed my country club roots a bit <laughs> and having all that outdoor space. Yeah. The nice thing about a country club is not only do I still have the weddings and the social events and, of course, the corporate events, um, but we do a lot of member events too. So yeah. I have a little more creative license with member events because I'm not just doing someone else's vision, but we're able to create something brand new for our membership. So yeah. I have a little bit more space for creativity and yeah. brand new themes. I love a theme. I'm a cheese ball. Anyone that's met me for five minutes knows I'm cheesy. So you love a theme. What are some of your favorite themes that you've done? Oh my gosh. I mean, I did a wedding that had a Wizard of Oz theme. 
But it was incredibly subtle. So you didn't know unless you knew. There was poppies and green apples in the floral and the bride wore the red shoes. And um, they asked the kitchen, we did a big fruit and cheese board for cocktail hour, but we took basically the yellow cheeses, asked for all kind of shades of yellow cheeses and to kind of run it through the fruit and veggies almost like a yellow brick road. But again, you didn't know unless you knew it was not overt, which I've had, I've had a very Harry Potter forward wedding. <laughs> um, gosh, I've, I've had a lot of Cinderella weddings. Um, and of course, after Disney did the Beauty and the Beast movie, uh, there was more of that. Have you ever done one that was challenging? Maybe it was a theme that you weren't, because uh, I have, I was about to say between you and me, but this is a podcast, so it's between you and me. <laughs> and every, um, I just don't like saying it too much because I get, I get a lot of people uh, giving me things about it, but I've never seen an episode of Star Wars. Ever. So if somebody wanted me to do a Star Wars theme, that would be very difficult right. for me to do. So has anything like that come up to where like they want a theme and you're just not familiar, so it made it created a challenge. Have you ever watched a movie in preparation? Just for, for the for, wedding. For, yeah. oh, I can't say that I have, but I will say I'm I'm a bit of a nerd. So all those <laughs> niche things I I know a little bit about yeah. already. I, I am an avid Pokemon Go player, I will <laughs> I will admit. Yeah. Um, haven't had a Pokemon wedding, though. Knock on wood. <laughs> Not yet. Um, definitely several Harry Potters. But um, I don't think I've hit a theme that I haven't been too aware of. Yeah. Um, if anything, I, I've dreamed some big wild things and then we've had to hone in on what that actually looks like. (laughs) I have a bride and groom upcoming that wanted to get married in the mountains and they, they can't go to the mountains because they have a lot of elderly guests that just wouldn't be able to make it. So we've talked about maybe some video mapping of, of, Hmm. you know, sunsets over the mountains behind the cake and some different things like that. Um, So having some big grand visions that are, abstract and then honing them in on how it works within our venue. Um, I've definitely had some siblings, you know, whose, whose families are members here. So they all want to do their weddings at the club, but they want a very different look than sister's wedding or brother's wedding. So how do we translate that while keeping the feel of our venue, but also giving a very different look. So it's not people just coming in and saying, well, that was another good Gallardia wedding, but how it's more focused on that bride and groom. Yeah. And that's, that's interesting too of, you know, uh, siblings getting married at the same place, but you have to create a different environment because sure. a lot of those guests are going to be the same guests. Absolutely. Um, I did a, I did a wedding for for siblings. They're twins, and it was great. Uh, but they wanted everything the exact same. It was like the same song. They hired us for both. Both twins hired us. We did everything the same. Wow. Uh, I think I think one of the songs was different, but um, other than that, it was just a kind of a copycat of. The other business, which is not a bad thing. They were so much alike that, you know, um, you certainly don't want to change your wedding. Um, <laughs> Double vision. Just to be different. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, so I didn't think about kind of that challenge of siblings getting sure. married at the same place. You want it to be a different, unique experience. Or even sorority sisters. I mean, just yeah. everybody, it seems, this is a small town and people run in similar circles. And so... Um, you know, venues have to be aware of that, that you don't want to do the same wedding that your friends went to two months ago. So um, certainly when a new venue opens, it has that hot (laughs) buzz because nobody's had their wedding there before. But I'd venture to say a lot of people have been to a wedding at Gallardia and it may have been six years ago or six weeks ago, but um, I have had a few weddings where people 
have come to a wedding here on Friday and again on Saturday. And really? They found me and told me that. So um, I've had a couple of bands play the same night in a row yep. and left their equipment. So, um, yeah. Yep. And that, that happens sometimes. Yep. So uh, it's nice when it does. The, <laughs> then you just let us leave our stuff there. It's, it's great. Yeah. One thing that you like to do, and I've just seen this by working with you, is you like to create more of an experience. I mean, just kind of talk me through that. Talk, talk me through kind of what we were talking about just a little bit sure. ago. Sure. So much of what my passion lies in with regards to weddings is, well, for one thing, and it's an occasion. Yeah. And we are, you know, as humans, what sets us apart from everything else on this planet? I think part of it is celebrations. Yeah. And it's whether it's baby showers or funerals, certainly weddings, we pause and we celebrate, and that is beautiful to me. And part of that celebration, and I tell this to so many of my couples, is your wedding day, this, this experience, this party, this celebration, it's very much about you. It should reflect who you are as a couple. Um, in fact, Oprah said, your wedding is your first joint statement of style. <laughs> so ladies need to take into account something about what, yeah. their, what their fiance <laughs> thinks too. But um, while your wedding is very much about you, it's not for you. Yeah. You get a marriage and hopefully a fun honeymoon out of the deal yeah. um, and a partner. The, the wedding, of course, the ceremony is the vows and the commitment. And you have all these people there to witness it. But the reception itself, which is the majority of what the planning is about, the reception is in and of itself a gift to your friends and family as a way yeah. of saying thank you for supporting our relationship thus far and for choosing and, and vowing to supported in the future. Yeah. And so those decisions that you make for that reception, I think that needs to reflect making an experience for your guests. Yeah. Everybody says, oh, it's my day. It's your day. <laughs> Who cares what anybody else thinks? And that's where that bridezilla mentality comes from. Yeah. That, in my experience, is more of a myth. Yeah. Then I don't see that. I'm blessed to have wonderful, gracious sweet, sweet couples to work with 99.9% .9 of the time. <laughs> but so much of those decisions need to take into account the experience that the guest is going to have. Yeah. Because these days, it's so easy to sit on the couch in your jammies watching Netflix. <laughs> That's my favorite pastime, and I'm an extrovert. But it's <laughs> nice to just relax and do nothing. So when the guests leave your wedding reception, I think they should look at each other and say, wow, I'm so glad we did that with our night. Yeah. I mean, you have to get a sitter. You, you buy a gift. You, most girls want to go get a new dress, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, you, you schedule it on your calendar. You turn down other social commitments. You take off work early. You leave town. You book a hotel. You do all of these things to be a guest at someone else's wedding reception. And at the end of the night, as the couple, you would hope the decisions you make, those guests walk away and say, I'm so glad we did that. Not, yeah. well, that was draining, and now I'm even more exhausted to go to work on Monday morning. But to say, of all the things we could have done, that was so great. What a wonderful evening. So the fellowship, the menu, the timeline, there's so many decisions you can make that are going to lend to that overall experience for the guest. Yeah, have you ever had a wedding couple come in and they're not aware of what you just said? They kind of think that it's just about them, and have they presented a vision to you that you have then told them that this should be more about your guests and then they change that vision? And oh. if so, like what are some of the things that they change? What are some things that they 
originally had set for themselves, but then they changed to make it more appealing to the broad part of, to their friends and family. Absolutely. I, you know, one of the things I could say off the bat is menu. Mm. People have a certain idea about menu. And as a venue coordinator, um, venue salesperson, one of my biggest tasks is to help set the menu. And people will come in and say, well, I don't eat cheese, so we're not serving cheese. And to each their own. I have definitely done all vegetarian weddings. But I promise you at that wedding, I heard from more than a handful of people, I can't believe they didn't have any chicken. (laughs) You know, just because they don't eat it doesn't mean the rest of us don't. Um, We can make a different plate for the particular bride and groom. I have a wedding upcoming that every one of the guests is getting a starch that is different than what the bride and groom are getting because they have a particular taste and we're going to give them something special at their table. So, um... Menu is for sure something that I think people have an idea about. Maybe they just want to serve light finger foods, but they are doing their reception at a time when people are going to want a meal. And so in that instance, I would recommend that they minimize the guest list in order to maximize what they can provide to the guests that are attending. If you're on a limited budget, bring your guest list in so that you can truly bless the people that are attending. Um, I don't have any problem with a cash bar. I know that's a hot button with weddings. (laughs) I personally don't mind buying my own drink at someone's wedding, and I understand why people do it. I also understand the sentiment behind not inviting your guests to celebrate with you and then saying, please provide your own drinks. Um, It is a celebration, and if you can, you want to provide for those that are coming. I've had people say often, hey, we want to do, you know, we'll provide beer and wine, but then they can buy their own liquor drinks. And I'll say, we're more than happy to do that. I will be honest with you, we'll sell seven drinks. Most Mm. people are going to eat and drink what's on somebody else's dime and happily. And then if they want a Crown and Coke, they're going to go out to a bar afterwards. (laughs) They're going to go to the after party location at the hotel. You know, timing out ceremony with regards to... um, cocktail hour or attire. I've had people want to do a July wedding and they want it black tie optional, but they want to set ceremony at 4 p.m. And that Mm. makes no sense. You're not going to ask somebody to wear a tuxedo in the middle of the day. And so (laughs) that's just more of an etiquette thing, but also a think through the time and where the sun's going to be. I've had people not want to do a first look, which that's a personal decision. I'll be honest. I've been married twice. I've done a first look and I've not done a first look. It worked out great both times, but it was a different feel for what kind of pictures we wanted to take. If you have huge family and you want those magazine-worthy photos, you might want to do a first look, especially if you have a 6.30 ceremony and the sun's setting at 7.15. You are not going to have time for the pictures you want to take. So there's a lot of decisions you can make that are going to affect the experience the guests have with regards to when they see you or what they eat. Yeah, and that's, you know, my whole thought whenever I kind of first entered this business was it's all about, you know, the couple. And in a way it is, we want to make it, but we don't want to abandon the guests on a lot of things. Um, And music, we do music services, and that's a big one too, because sometimes we'll get a a music list, and I'm sitting there thinking, nobody's going to dance to that. You just picked out your favorite songs, and nobody's going to dance to these. And, and I let them know that. Like, I kind of coach them through and say, what, what are some of the, the things? Is it okay if we take requests, at least, if you're going to do this? And I've had one bride say no. Uh, and then I was looking at her dance, I'm quote-unquoting right now, her dance list. 
because it just didn't have anything that I felt. And uh, we, we took a chance that wedding and somebody requested something and I played it and I got that look that you never want to get the look from a bride, but it built the dance floor. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I kind of took a risk by doing that, but that's a perfect example as well as, you know, music. Sometimes they give us music for them and they don't even think about their guests while they're, while they're when they get I that totally them, so. agree with that. And I, I agree with the taking requests or not taking requests that having an effect. And then yeah. I love that you care. <laughs> <laughs> Having done quite a few weddings with you, I know that you have that same passion that I do for the couples and for the guests' experience because you do need to think about the guests. Yeah. And while I will do every line dance there is because <laughs> I'm a basic, you know, um, I know some people will request no line dances, but sometimes yeah. you need one of those to get the dance floor going. Yep. Or sometimes people request one that you know is overdone and you don't want to do it and um, that's tricky and it's hard too because while it is their day that we would hope they would understand is not just for them we don't want to step on their toes and tell them you can't have your wedding this way because some people really want it I think I have a lot of kind of cheesy lines I say as I'm giving (laughs) my couples tours of the venue and I say you know if you want to put a mechanical bowl in the corner of the room and put the dance floor outside 100 feet away from the ballroom, we can do these things. It is my job to gently lead you towards what I know works yeah. well, especially with regards to my venue and knowing my facility and knowing our staff. Yeah. But ultimately, it's your day. If you're adamant on making that decision, nobody's going to tell you no. Yeah. But we don't, we don't want to tell you no. I don't want anyone to walk out of here and go, well, that was another good Glardia wedding. Abby at Glardia <laughs> always seems to turn out a dis- decent one. But they should say, gosh, that was so Katie and Tom. Uh, yeah. It should be very much who the couple is. So whether we reflect who you are as a couple through the food or the formality or the music that's played or I love late night bites. Again, that goes back to the food. But reflecting, what's y'all's favorite food? What do y'all bring to every potluck? Let's serve that later into the evening. Sop up some alcohol. Give people another aha moment. (laughs) Um, Obviously, as a venue that provides catering, we can do so much of that personalization and customization through the food. But whatever it is about you guys, I have a lot of couples that name their signature cocktail after their cherished puppy dog, you know, (laughs) or have the dogs as a flower pup in the wedding. But people don't forget that stuff. And I think through through the music selection, certainly that customizes and makes people feel welcome. Yeah. So... Have you ever had an experience to where the couple just did not go with your advice and maybe you saw the downside of that like firsthand? Yes, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> more, more than I'd like to think. You know, one of the biggest things that I think people don't take seriously is when I or the photographer or of course their full service planner suggests to them to be ready two hours prior to ceremony, and if doing a first look, three hours prior to ceremony. It's it's so disappointing when a couple is not ready on time because realistically, I think, having seen so many weddings, you have to do about two hours worth of pictures before ceremony. When you're not ready, 
until 40 minutes before ceremony, you miss out on so much. And then you're scrambling to get those pictures afterwards, thereby elongating your cocktail mm. hour. And if you're not doing a cocktail hour and guests are going right into dinner, elongating the amount of time before your guests see you. Yeah. And that's not guest friendly. And you want to yeah. be guest friendly. Of course the pictures matter. The pictures are huge. My Instagram is very important to me. (laughs) (laughs) I want couples to get great pictures. It's never my ideal to rush them through the pictures. But when they've been outside for an hour and 10 minutes and Mm. grandma still has not said hello to them, (laughs) that's kind of unfortunate. Um, That's not ideal and that's not guest friendly. So how can we get the pictures and get them into family? Timing and building buffer time. I always tell a bride, if you've got to be ready, or if you're starting pictures two hours before ceremony, put on your dress two and a half hours before that. It doesn't Mm. take a half hour to put on your dress. It takes eight minutes to put on the dress. You have five minutes of oohs and ahs, two minutes of (laughs) tear wiping. You know, you've got to to put on the veil, the jewelry, the pictures. Mom wants to take a shot. So you build this buffer time, things that should take five minutes, build 15 for, and backtrack so that you've got this great timeline. And when you have a good timeline with room for error, you are able to get to your guests in a timely manner and your guests aren't waiting because they don't know that. And frankly, they don't care how many pictures you're taking. All they know is, God, I haven't seen them. (laughs) Or God, I've been standing at cocktail hour for forever. And even if you open the doors and end cocktail hour and send the guests in to sit in their seat, now they're still waiting. They're still wondering what's next. So let's get the couple into the room to see their guests and let's get them mingling. Yeah. Um, have you, uh, now you are the in-house coordinator. So do you do, you do every wedding here? I am at almost every wedding we yeah. ever do. When we do smaller ones, sometimes they don't need anyone here. Um, but certainly when they have a full service planner, it's incredibly helpful for us. Yeah. I'm not going to let anybody crash and burn and not have a coordinator to help yeah. them walk through things. Um, but I love to recommend a good planner because that helps them with overall budget and design yeah. and RSVPs and things like that. Simply day of, I'm here. And of course, I'm here to sell them the food and to ensure sure. that the food service goes well. But it is nice when they have a full service planner here yeah. for sure because that just lends to so much more cohesiveness across the board with all of the planner, or with, with all of the team, I'm sorry, with yeah. all of their vendors. So. And what, what do you do in-house here? Um, I, the catering's in-house, right? We do all of the catering, all of the alcohol. We allow outside specialty desserts, cake, cookies, things like that. We do allow outside food in the event of specialty ethnic cuisine that we can't prepare. So um, we certainly don't ever want to turn anyone away because they want a a food that we cannot successfully prepare. Uh, So for that, then we charge a catering fee to bring that in and our service staff still runs the room and all of that. There's an upside to that of you've worked with, I mean, the catering is in-house, so you've worked with them so much where your teamwork is is on on spot, I guess. Absolutely. Uh, Because, I mean, I've been here several times and I've always noticed that they start bringing it out, they bring it out at the right time, they bring it out professionally, they bring it out, you know, I mean, I've I've always been impressed by that and uh, it's working with them so much, uh, you don't have as many miscommunications as you would work on somebody for the first time or somebody who you don't work with as much. So, sure. um, so that's really cool about this place. I mean, some people may not like it because it may not, they may not be able to get their foot in the door because there's already somebody in house, but that's a benefit to this place. 
um, as well. So absolutely, we are not a one-stop shop. You know, here's the package price and everything for your weddings included. But we do provide so much, and yeah. so much of our um, the ambiance of this space. You don't need a whole lot. I tell yeah. people, you bring in your entertainment, your decor, and your cake. <laughs> and we've got the rest. Yeah. Tables, chairs, linens, napkins, dance floor, setup, teardown, service staff. Of course, you can upgrade and do nicer things with your linens and chargers and draping and major floral. But all the basics we have. You mentioned something a little earlier that uh, I'm going to kind of go back to just because I thought of something when you said it. Is You mentioned that. I mean, I asked the question if a couple has ever not taken your advice. And we have certainly had those weddings to where I feel like somebody's whispering in their ear and that person is not a part of the wedding industry mm -hmm. in any way whatsoever. I, I had one of those um, a few months ago. I actually, I nearly require my couples to do one thing. And out of hundreds of weddings we've done, we've only had two people not do it. And one person said, it's, we feel better uh, having somebody else do this particular thing and it's going to be better for us overall and i was sitting there thinking no it's not but some i know, I know whoever told you that is not part of the wedding business um so that's just you know something that yeah. it's just something we have to battle sometimes is you have best friends or moms or aunts or uh, grandmas or somebody kind of pushing one thing sure. whenever they're not in the wedding industry so they don't know what's best they think that their intentions are good of course i can think but. of two things <laughs> receiving lines and yeah. fake exits. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about those. I mean, well, what's, what's the upside and downside of those? I love the idea of a receiving line. Uh -huh. um, I don't love it when you have a limited amount of time. You sure. know, that's the bride and groom as they leave the church or as, as they leave uh, the ceremony or at the entrance to the reception, they stand there and give a personal welcome to every person. And in my mind, when you think back to what a wedding used to be on a countryside in your best dress with a <laughs> bouquet of flowers you picked up on the way, that's beautiful. But as we've created more of a party atmosphere yeah. and, and we're on a stricter timeline and we've got a open bar and we've got dinner service and wine service and things like that, people want to get to the mingling and the visiting and the dancing. And I think not to step on the toes of anyone that loves a receiving line, but it is a time sucker. Sure. Yep. <laughs> um, and then for me, from a photographic standpoint, and certainly at our venue, a fake exit, I don't love because I understand that people do it in order to get a photograph yeah. of an exit. But from a guest's perspective, you're jamming, you're dancing, the party is going. And from the DJ's perspective, all of a sudden, now we're saying, hey, we're going to put a T, stop the dance floor for just a second. We're going to go outside. And then the DJ, you know, is always, I'm sure, heart thumping, thinking, what can I say to encourage people to for sure come back in? And you say, but don't worry, we're going to come back in. We're going to kick this party <laughs> off again. It's going to be even wilder, so don't stop. Come right back. Everyone leaves the room with the pulsating lights and the bass going and the party party mode that they're in, they put down their drinks, they go outside, they stand still in their heels and uncomfortable shoes, they're in the bright lights of the parking lot or the exit, they wait, the bride and groom fake leave, and now in their <laughs> mind they're thinking about leaving. Yep. Then to bring them back into the room, all of a sudden you have this hollow room, but the lights are still going, the music's still going. And have you ever been the first person at a nightclub? It's so awkward. And that's what it feels like for the guests to walk back into the ballroom or the reception space. And it's, 
in my opinion, and again, not trying to step on anybody's toes that loves a fake exit, but it's so awkward and forced to be like, well, I guess I'm walking to the dance floor now, you know, to yeah. get people on the dance floor initially. Maybe you do an anniversary dance or you do a yeah. line dance or you call them out for the bouquet and garter, but it's a more natural progression to dance time as the beats per minute amp up a little bit during dinner yep. and to get them on the dance floor. It's so natural when you ask them all to leave the room and come right back in and, and now let's party. It's just, it's so <laughs> yeah. forced and it kills your party and not to get on a soapbox about a fake exit, yeah, but yeah. you clearly know where I stand on this. Yeah, I do. I, I've never been a fan of, uh, we don't have to do them very often, but when we do, it's like, I hate doing them. Yeah. Just because, and, and I try and make it very clear, do not leave, come back, the party's right. still going. But I mean, that's that's usually whenever I, I lean on. I mean, I generally don't like doing line dances, yeah. but usually when everybody starts coming in, that's a good that's a good time to do one because it, it starts to get the dance. There's a reason to get on the dance floor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I get it. I do. I understand wanting the photo op. Yeah. Um, and I think it used to be necessary when nobody had a good camera. And if your photographer has a hard and fast eight hour timeline and you do not want to pay 400 extra dollars for that <laughs> one shot at the end of the night, I get it. But either just call away the wedding party and, and do just wedding party as you yeah. run out or pay the photographer extra, <laughs> or everybody's got a great iPhone now, and those cameras are pretty good. I'm not saying don't hire a professional yeah, photographer. No, no, I, I, but I know several photographers that are like, we don't need to stay just for the grand exit. Anybody with a halfway decent camera can <laughs> capture a decent picture there. Yeah. Um, certainly it's a better picture if your photographer stays, but... Um, going back to decisions that are made that I don't think are as guest-friendly... Um, that's one that I would say is very much about the bride and groom and what they want because it's all about that picture, yeah. which doesn't benefit the guests in any way. It's a great picture for the end of the bride and groom's album. It's a great way to get the photographer out the door when they don't need to stick around for two hours of the same jamming out dance shot. <laughs> so I understand why it happens, but I don't think it's the best decision for guest friendliness and for overall guest experience. Yep. Yep, I, I agree with that. So, um, is there anything else like that that you can think of that, that maybe that maybe guests, I mean, uh, couples typically make a decision on that that has a downside that they may not recognize? This is another silly little soapbox that I get on, but cake cutting for mm. one thing. Some people don't want to cut the cake till later because they think if they cut the cake, then people, people will eat cake and go. Yep. But those people need to go. There's a reason they're not sticking around. Yeah. Maybe they have a sitter. Maybe they work the next morning. But I, again, this is all my opinion, <laughs> but I don't ever want to hold somebody hostage for cake. Because sure. what will happen is your sweet little Aunt Sue or your Sunday school teacher will go home without cake. They are mm. not going to stay for cake. You are not holding anyone hostage. Yeah. They will leave and they will not get cake. Yep. And little old ladies love wedding cake. <laughs> they stick around for the cake. I personally love to have the bride and groom cut cake and then to have the attention turn to something like the toasts or the parent dances yep. or an anniversary dance or something like that. That way we, as the venue, as the people, whoever's cutting the cake, we can chop, 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 chop because these days hardly anybody does one flavor of cake. Yeah. So by allowing us time 
to cut the cake without the focus on the cake, we can actually get through all the flavors. And then when people come up to get cake, when the DJ says, okay, dance floor's open and at this time cake's available, we've already cut through the raspberry, chocolate, lemon, French vanilla. And when people come up, they can get the flavor they really want that'll really bless their soul as opposed to if there's no focus after they cut the cake and it's just cakes open, the first people to come get the cake will take that top layer that was lemon. Then mm. the next 30 people will take the blueberry flavor when uh, what they really wanted was the chocolate flavor that yep. was underneath it. I know that's a little nitpicky, but that um, is important to me yeah. that I want people to have equal access opportunity to all the cake flavors, but people will come take the first piece they see. Yeah. So even if they don't really like red velvet, they will still take that piece of red velvet. They aren't going to wait for the French vanilla. So when we turn the attention to something else, when you say, Hey, at this time we're going to have toasts, so everybody return to your seats. The cake will be available in a little bit and we'll let you know when yep. that gives us an opportunity to, again, in the interest of guest friendliness and overall experience and blessing them with something they'll really enjoy let's get all the cake cut. And yeah. then we say, come try it and pick what you really want. Yeah. It's minute, I, but it makes a difference. It, it does. <laughs> and and it's, it's the little things that make a difference like that. I remember you said one thing um, a few months ago, it was at one of the Oklahoma City, the, like the success event or something, but you said you were really impressed with a DJ who got in the microphone and announced the cake flavors. Yes. Now, and I thought, and I had been doing that ever since. I, I always, or I try to anyway, it's still so new to me that I forget to sometimes, but when I think of it, I ask a couple, what flavor is your cake? And then I make that announcement because of you. I mean, you have, you're not a DJ, but I've learned <laughs> something that has changed my, my emceeing a little bit because of what I've heard you say. Well, you're a director that day. I mean, yeah. you really are. For one thing, I think the MC has a unique challenge of herding cats. <laughs> sure. But also, you're, you're reading the crowd and leading the crowd. Yep. If you zombie DJ, or you zombie photo, or you zombie venue coordinate, and you just do the same thing day in and day out, well, I'm at venue 16 with couple 95. It's never going to be different. Yeah. And you're, for one thing, every wedding is different. So when you're reading the crowd, I think as a DJ, and you're like, okay, this crowd clearly likes older music. They want more slow dances. They're responding well to that. Fabulous. And that's one thing that a DJ can do that I don't know that a band can even do. A band can't necessarily just change the whole set list on a yeah. whim because they see people aren't responding well to something. I'm sure you can call a bit of an audible on songs, but um, a DJ can segue a song right down and that's one thing that I see that doesn't always happen I know I'm jumping all over the place oh, no, here this, but this um, is music is important to me too coming from a, a background of that and again just having done so many <laughs> weddings um, some DJs will just let a whole song play even though nobody's yeah. on the dance floor well I think segue down come back up with what you know works yep. if they were all dancing to country and you played something that doesn't work, go back to country, you know, but I, that's guest friendly. Just because yeah. it's on your playlist or it's on the request list, if nobody's responding well to it, have the wherewithal as the leader of the crowd to play what you know is going to work for yep. them. Um, we have a certain lighting setting that we put most weddings at. 
But if they come in with a ton of candlelight, it just takes a little bit mm. of sense and, and care about the day to know there's so much candlelight in here that they're clearly going for this certain look. Let's bring our lights down a little bit more to let that candlelight glow. And yeah. in the same token, if they have a lot of elderly guests, I know well enough that those people want to see what they're eating. So let's bring <laughs> the lights up a little bit more yeah. for dinner time before they're asking some 19-year-old server, can you bring the lights up? Because that <laughs> server doesn't know or care or think yeah. about the big picture and the overall guest experience where I think we as vendors do have that opportunity to think what little decisions all along the way, lighting, menu, music, timeline, sense of urgency. What can we do to enhance whether it is that Sunday school teacher or the maid of honor? And of course the couple, (laughs) what can we do to make them again, walk out and say, that was so great. Yeah. So, yeah, and that's one thing we we do a lot of things to set the mood for a fun wedding. And one thing that we do that, that we try to set that mood with is getting the guests in a habit of clapping without us telling them to. Um, we call it natural reactions. Uh, me and the guys that we work with, we always read a room. And we say, where do you think the natural reaction is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10? And we, we kind of have that discussion right before I go out and I make my first remarks as an MC. I will say, good evening and welcome to the wedding reception of, and I'll say the name, but I'll say their name with enthusiasm. I never say give it up for, let's hear it for. Um, and that's, that helps set the tone to, to where now they're clapping without me actually having to tell them to do that. And so, um, I mean, I'm saying that to say that the little things that you mentioned make a big difference because that little, nobody is sitting there thinking, man, he just got a natural reaction. He didn't have to ask us to clap. We just clapped. No sure. guess is thinking that. But it's the little things like that that gets them in the habit of just having a fun wedding, just you know, knowing when to clap. I mean, usually when we do that, we don't have to ask after the first dance for everybody to clap for the, for the couple because they're already used to, sure. oh, that, that moment just ended. So the little things make a big difference, and, and that's that- kind of where I'm going with that. So. That is something no couple is going to think to mm-hmm. ask their MC yeah. is, now, do you, do you just announce our names with enthusiasm or do you say give it up for? <laughs> they would never, ever yeah. ask that. And so that, Travis, is what I so love about you and your uh, company, too, is that you guys do care about that. The fact that yeah. you go in and think about that, we can, like I said, zombie out and just yeah. go week over week over week over week, or we can... Remember that while this is a work day for us, <laughs> this is someone's most special day. Yep. And keeping that enthusiasm and that passion every week, yes, we are at work, but yep. my goodness, we get to attend <laughs> someone's wedding for yeah. work. That is so cool. <laughs> it is. And if you care about that person's wedding, the way you care about your own wedding or whatever party you want to have, how much more special can you make that? And that's yep. when you are going to think of those little details that make a difference. Yeah. When you look at it as if if I was a guest at this wedding, how would I feel about this? How would I feel about how long I've waited? How would yeah. I feel about the menu in front of me? How would I feel about the song selection that's playing or the volume of the music that's playing or how long I had to wait at the bar? Yeah. Um, if that impacts your heart, you are going to make the best choice for that guest and for that couple and that's the kind of wedding that their guests are going to walk away from saying i am so glad we did that with our night that was so fun man we should hang out with them more (laughs) and can you believe we got to do this and oh my gosh i'll never forget that this happened and wasn't that so fun and yeah that's what we want 
Yep, absolutely. And, and just to kind of go along with that, a lot of, again, something that a lot of couples won't notice and a lot of wedding guests won't notice, but I'm kind of getting on the MC side, but uh, is whenever you call the, the bride and groom or the couple, the bride and groom or the couple all throughout the night, you can take everything that you said at this wedding and apply it to your next wedding. And that's just no good. Um, that's the little things that uh, people often will ask us, how do you know the couple? At the, at the end of their wedding, they'll say, how do you know the couple? And the truth is, we don't. We just asked them the right question. We called them by name during their wedding. We didn't call them by bride and groom. So, um, so I like where you kind of went with some of that, of the small things that couples don't think of and that wedding guests don't think of, but the small things that make a big difference. Um, and I could talk on that for hours, actually, <laughs> and I'm sure you could too. I mean, we could probably continue that conversation for sure. quite a while. Um, before I wrap this up, is there any uh, is there anything else that you wanna that you wanna say? I've got a couple more questions for you, but is there anything that you wanna say? If this is a room full of wedding professionals, which most of our listeners are, uh, is there any advice you'd give them? Uh, it, maybe it pertains to what you just said, or maybe just something something that we hadn't even discussed yet. Don't be afraid to think new. Because okay. it's so easy for us to get into a rut and to think that what you know works best. And I'm guilty of that too. Yeah. For me and my venue and my staff, I know what timeline generally works best. I know generally where we might put the cake or what kind of table the cake might go on. So don't be afraid of new. Okay. Don't be afraid of changing up the timeline or of dreaming up something big. I've got some weddings coming up this fall with some great planners and designers that are doing things in this venue that I've never even heard of or thought of. Hmm. Reading magazines and going to conferences and seeing new ideas, it just renews your passion for this industry. Absolutely. Because it's easy to fall into the same thing. Yep. Again, it is someone's wedding day, but it's just a work day for us. You can yeah. flip the script on that, and instead of finding passion in your work day, it's easy to reduce the passion of someone's wedding day down to, well, another day at work, another, another day behind the DJ booth, another yeah. wedding cake to cut. So finding something new to get excited about yep. is so fun. And then for us as vendors to share that idea with someone else you don't have to hold your cards close. I can yeah. only do one wedding a day. That whole cut the cake whilst they're paying attention to somebody else, <laughs> I wish everybody would do that. Yeah. I really do. Uh, I wish everybody would think about doing a first look. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but that's just my experience. If somebody else has a better way of doing it, I wanna be open to learning that. So staying open-minded in what we think works best and being willing to try something new or watch something new. Sure. I mean, you said something earlier, and I didn't tell on myself, but I'm going to tell myself is I used to, now I don't do this anymore, but I used to tell couples, wait until later in the night to cut the cake. Um, but then I, I don't know if I'd necessarily learned something new, but I recognized I need to do something different. Uh, and so I started telling them, I used the word grandparents. I say, sometimes your grandparents may want to leave early and we don't want them to miss the cake. Um, so yeah, it just kind of keeping your eyes open for not only new, but just different. Sure. Um, you know, we're doing the same thing. We're cutting the cake. That's nothing new, but we are doing something different with it that makes right. it better. And, and that's, that does keep a, an excitement in a company because 
Uh, if you do some, I'll kind of go on a, a DJ example. Some DJs have, you know, they've done 400 weddings and they, they, they push that as, look how much experience I have. Well, have you done 400 weddings or did you do one wedding 400 times? Wow, um, I love so, that. Yeah, so I mean, that's what keeps our company exciting is we're always trying something. That we're, uh, nearly every month we're going into a wedding doing something we've never done before. Uh, and most of sometimes it's a failure, not a, a not a public failure like we've you know, but we've talked about it's like you know it didn't go as well as we wished that would. What kind of adjustments do we make? And those adjustments are exciting as well. It's like okay, we're going to go on this next wedding with these new adjustments, see what happens then. And that's kind of how we polish things up, and it's kind of made us what we are today. And we're still trying to think of new things, and it's it keeps it exciting. So that's great advice to anybody is think of new things and. And it makes your next wedding, if you're getting burned out, if you think of something new that you're going to try, it makes your next wedding exciting because you're going to try something new um, and it's just not going to be that same wedding that you've been doing over and over again. Uh, you're going to find new ways to set yourself apart by doing things like that. So, so that is really good. That's, that's good advice all the way around. Um, look for new things. So um, the last couple questions is uh who are some of your favorite people to work for to work with who are some of your favorite wedding professionals oh goodness i don't want to forget anybody <laughs> <laughs> that, that's so common i ask this question nearly every time the only time i've not is when i have forgotten to but i ask it every time and it seems like every time i hit the stop on the recorder once we're done the person i'm interviewing says Oh, I forgot to mention this person, yeah. that person. So if you're listening right now and Abby does not say her name, she probably will after we get done recording. So, I love a good cake that tastes as good as it looks. I love Michelle uh, Handy, Amy Cakes. Stacy's cake is wonderful. There's so many great florists in town. Gosh, we have a lot of good florists. Tony, mm -hmm. George, Kelly. Oh my gosh, there's so many. Cole, <laughs> uh, great photographers, Amanda Watson, Sarah Libby, Holly B, Josh McCulloch, Aaron Snow. I love Leslie Layton and Jason Shaw. Oh, yeah. Rod like Baker is one of my favorite DJs yep. in the whole planet. Hey, he's he, going he to be on this podcast. Shut up. Yeah, I he, love Rod. Yep. We, uh, we he only have, comes up from Dallas every now and then, and I, I like to think I'm 50% of the time. <laughs> yeah. No, he, uh, as far as I know, we, it may possibly be a remote thing to where mm -hmm. I have to record it on sure. my end, and he records his voice. But uh, last I talked to him in the planning stages, he was actually going to come up here to be a part of That's it. That's awesome. So well, you tell, tell him to Rod. look me up when he comes. Um, <laughs> Rod has helped our business yeah. a lot because I brought him in to train our guys uh, on what he does to make weddings you know, yeah. fun. And I've used so much of what he's He has such a passion, and he has mm -hmm. such an interest in continuing education for himself yep. and continuing to find ways to build his business because his come up story is so cool. That yeah. will be a good one. <laughs> um, but, it, but with DJs, of course, Chasen and Rod and you and Austin, awesome, yeah. um, gosh, there's just so many great people. Video, of course, Sarah and Rick are the gods of video. <laughs> um, oh man. I love, um, Chris Gray, yep. uh, for, and Cindy Lou Daniels for officiates. Um, King's Limousine is such a staple. Ariana, 
Sims with I'll Be With You events is one of my hands-down favorite yeah. planners. She's so detailed. She's so uh, good at getting me details mm-hmm. um, and allows me a little creative license with the couples that are in our venue. Because um, it's hard. As a venue coordinator with an incredible passion for weddings, uh-huh. it's hard not to do more planning than I should. I sure. don't want to be anyone's full-service planner. Yeah. I do not want to receive their RSVPs or help them pick out (laughs) invites or go sit in floral meetings in another lifetime, maybe because I love weddings and I love making this a truly spectacular occasion, but I love working at a venue and I love not going to (laughs) meetings at all hours of the day, um, and, and dealing with every meltdown and budget and all of that. Um, but from again, a perspective of, of couples and things, it's easy to want to give a lot of suggestions, so I love when a planner is confident in their own in what they bring to the table yeah. enough that I'm not stepping on their toes when I give suggestions for timeline or uh, have a great idea for design because we're all in it together to make this yeah. day great. So I love working with Ariana for that reason. Uh, she's just willing to let me have a voice at the table, yeah. even though ultimately it is her and the couple's table. Um, <laughs> but... I love I love so many vendors in town. We are so blessed to have such a passionate industry. Yeah. Really and truly. We have a lot of people. Um, this is probably going to sound terrible, but I, I joke with a few other people in, in the industry that I wish we could have an underground club of the people <laughs> that just get it. Yeah. And not that we're exclusive. Yeah. Because anybody could come, but you just have <laughs> to love weddings. Yeah. You have to love weddings. I can hardly make it through a wedding ceremony. And God, I've probably done 1,400 weddings. I can't make it through a ceremony without crying. I cannot (laughs) watch a father-daughter dance without crying now that I have a little girl. And nine times out of 10, when I'm talking to uh, the father of the bride, I really, I like to suggest doing the parent dances a little later into the evening after the toasts because if dad is going to give a toast, he can round out the toasts. And I I tell them this and I say, we want to build emotion. There's nothing wrong with crying. So you give these great words. You welcome this young man into the family. You talk about your daughter and then you raise a glass and then you say, you know, so-and-so, she might be your wife now, but she is still my little girl. And right now I think I'd like to dance with her. And oh my God, I can't even think about it without almost crying now. But I I love that. That's what we're doing. We are celebrating and bringing it right back home to this whole, we're humans with occasions. Lions and tigers and elephants, they don't do this. We (laughs) are humans. And that is the beauty of life is the celebrating of it. And the feeling of it. I believe in emotion and eliciting an emotional response. Yeah. And that is beautiful to me. So however we can do that, again, we want the overall response from the guests, from the parents, from the stories that are told to just say, wow, this is so special. And mm, I love that. (laughs) I love that about weddings. I mean, we do corporate events here too. Let me give that little plug. (laughs) But corporate events do not move my soul (laughs) like a wedding does. (laughs) I love your passion about that because I I share the same passion with a lot of that. I tell I tell brides or, or couples about the father daughter thing. Um, sometimes I don't because it, it could be you know um, unexpected to the bride, which could be a powerful moment. Sure. Um, so I don't always, but whenever whenever I do, they start get ter- getting yeah. teary eyed, 
And I mean, that's a sales tactic too. Can, <laughs> I mean, I tell them about the father-daughter voiceover. Have you ever had many people do that? Like talking before the dance? No. Or during it? It's where I tell the bride, I say, at first I kind of ask her a strange question. I say, are you close to your father? Mm -hmm. And I say, if the answer is no, we're going to move on. We're not going to. But usually they say yes. Most of the time they do. Uh, sometimes they don't. But I say, okay, what, what you can do, and I'd say about 60% of our guests do this. And every time I explain this to them, they get teary-eyed. I say, what you need to do is go into a quiet room in your house, record a message to your father on your phone. Say, hey, Daddy, thank you for always being there for me. Thank you for always loving me. Thank you for raising me in the way that has made me the woman I am today. I love you. Something like that. What we do is we start the father-daughter dance, and then I start bringing that, mm -hmm. bringing that up in, in, in volume to where now you're dancing. It's a surprise to your father. It's a surprise to the guests, and it creates a very powerful moment. Every time I, I've told that, they always get teary-eyed, and I've never lost it. Like, I, I explain that to them before they officially book us. Right. And I don't think anybody's ever not booked us after. I, I mean, if you want a sales tactic these days, <laughs> just tell them about the father-daughter dance. Get them to tear exactly. up. Exactly. They will think you are the go-to person to do their yep. wedding. Because so, you um, care. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah. we do that at about 60%. All right. We would do it 100% of the time, but we only about 60% of our brides want that, which right. is more than half, of course. So it, it's a really cool thing. I, love I get that. I get fathers emailing me. Hey, can I get a copy of that? <laughs> so I do. I send them a copy. So I think that's um, amazing. Yeah. So, uh, but I love your passion about this. I mean, Thank you. I know that. I mean, these. I mean, right now we're actually at a a lot longer than any other podcast. <laughs> well, <laughs> and it's because of your passion. I mean, you're not having to fumble around for words. I mean, you're speaking your heart. You're speaking your passion. You're speaking what you love doing. Um, and I think, especially when we meet with clients. Uh, if you speak your passion about that, if, if they can tell how passionate and how much you love doing it, you, I mean, you could book yourself solid. <laughs> so, uh, so thank you for that. Thank you for, thank for showing you. that example of what passion looks like. Uh, I appreciate that. So, well, thanks for chatting with me. Uh, yeah. I could talk weddings all day, so <laughs> we'll do it again in a, in a year or two. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have <laughs> you gotta get through this. everybody. <laughs> this ain't the last time you're going to be on this podcast. So um, the very last question is, where can people find you or Gallardia or kind of both? If you want people to, to find you personally, tell them where they can do that. If you want people to find Gallardia, just kind of talk to the listener on where they can find out more. Sure, absolutely. So you can find us on the web at gallardia.com. That's G-A-I-L-L-A-R-D-I-A.com. Gallardia is actually the, um, the state wildflower. So um, you might see it. I think it's called an Indian paintbrush sometimes, but it's a really pretty flower. So um, that's the Gallardia. Uh, you can find us at gallardia.com. You can call 405-302-2875. Uh, we have two Instagrams. One is more related to the club and member events, and that's just at Gallardia Country Club. We also have one that is a lot more focused on our weddings and social events, and that's going to be at Gallardia Weddings Events. Again, all one word, at Gallardia Weddings Events. If you want to follow me on Instagram, I'll be honest, it's just a lot of pictures of food and my toddler, but that's at Abby Ray, A-B-B-E-Y-R-A-E. -E. Uh, and then you can always find me gallivanting around town uh, when I'm not here at weddings. I'm yeah. usually at a new restaurant opening. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, I appreciate you being a part of this. For the listener, just tune in next week and we will have another wedding professional on that you will learn a lot of good stuff from.